chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Our second reading this morning is from Mark chapter 4, reading verses 26 to 34. The parable of the growing seed. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. The parable of the mustard seed. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Ian and Caroline and Claire. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, we thank you for those readings. We thank you for your presence with us in our service so far. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to guide our thoughts as we submit ourselves to your word and as we seek to live it out to the glory of your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Isn't it a wonderful sense of wonder we all have when we see something growing? Whether it's a flower in the garden from a bulb or a tiny seed, whether it's a baby, Perhaps a pet has some offspring, like a little guinea pig or something, and you see it grow, and it's a mystery how it grows. And each one is unique. 
but it's still a mystery. How does it grow? Jesus told these two parables about growing from a seed. The first one, many seeds sprout and grow and it's fruitful with a harvest. There should be a picture of harvest to come up. This is our theme, there we are. Uh, from little seeds, a field full of harvest. The mystery is, as the, as the parable says, he does not know how. Second one, one seed, a little tiny seed, a mustard seed. There's a man holding a mustard seed, and there's a mustard tree. It grows to be a, a massive, big bush, and in this case, a tree. So big that birds of the air can come and take shelter or even nest in it, as some translations say. Both of these are parables of the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God like? They're both parables of the kingdom. One, the kingdom grows to produce fruitfulness, and in the other, there is growth so that others can come, like the birds of the air, and find shelter and new life and be nourished. This growth, like any other uh, growing flower or crop or animal or human being, is very attractive, it's very satisfying, it may be scary at times, but whatever it is, it is utterly mysterious. It's observable, but it's a mystery. Scientists, botanists, and biologists can describe it, but cannot explain it or make it happen. In each case, there is life in that tiny seed, even in a little grass seed or a tiny little flower seed, got here a little packet of tiny little seeds we got from Frogmore House when we went, uh, it's only open a few days a year, and uh, this is, was in aid of the Prisoners Education Trust. I won't get them out because they'll just drop all over. They're so small, but they grow. We human beings can help, it, help the seeds along, but we cannot originate the life. And it's the same with the kingdom of God, these parables of the kingdom. It's what God does, and there's something that we do too. And sometimes in mission and evangelism, we are in, in a sort of danger of thinking it's all down to us, what we're going to be doing. And, you know, this kind of activism can be there. And I think in these parables, we have a healthy corrective to a sort of overactive approach to evangelism and to mission. And the first thing, first thing I want to talk about is God's part in kingdom growth. And the first thing is that God is the one who provides the seed. He provides the seed, which is the word of God. The parable of the sower, we we're familiar with, and there Jesus tells us quite clearly that the sower sows the seed and the seed is the word. It is active, it is alive and has power and life in it. That's what Peter said when he wrote his letter, you've been born again, you have new life, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And so we can have confidence in the words of scripture. It's truth, it's life, it's power. They speak into people's lives and situations, into our situations, with power and strength and grace and help. 
And there are lots of stories about people who've come to know Christ simply through reading the Bible. Sometimes in the war, there are people who found a Bible in the attic where they were, um, you know, where they were living, and they read and they came to living faith. If you hear stories told by the Gideons, they have many stories of people who just find a, a Bible in the hotel room or wherever they've been, and they've come through to living faith because God has spoken through his powerful and living word. So that's the first thing of God's uh, part in the, in the kingdom, uh, in the kingdom growth. What's God's part? The second thing that God does is that he gives life in Jesus. John says in his letter, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. John in the Gospel says of Jesus, says, I give them eternal life, they shall never perish. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, shall live. John again, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Right? So in Jesus, in the seed, so we have the word of God, and God gives the seed, God then gives the life. And that's what Simeon recognised when he held Jesus in the temple. Here's a lovely, uh, I think it's going to be there, this wonderful icon that was only in the, uh, in the Times yesterday. Is that right? No, Church Times on Friday. Oh, right. Anyway, it was on the Archbishop of Canterbury's Facebook or something. Uh, uh, but we managed to get it. <laughs> I've got to thank Pam for that. But it's a beautiful icon of Jesus uh, being held by Simeon as he's presented in the temple. And Simeon recognised this very point, that this life is in Jesus. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation, as he held the baby Jesus. My eyes have seen your salvation. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. God gives light and life in Jesus. And then the third thing that God does is that God activates that life by the Holy Spirit. In the story when Jesus met uh, Nicodemus, you'll remember, Jesus uh, said, you know, how do we enter the kingdom of God? He said, you must be born again by the Spirit. The Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit who activates the life. The life is there in the word, in the seed. It's brought to life by the Holy Spirit, acting upon it in our hearts. And that's exactly what we see in the Acts of the Apostles as an example. It's right through the Acts. Where, but in, uh, when they went to Philippi, um, Paul and uh, Silas, they met Lydia. And what we're told there is that she was a worshiper of God and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So it was the Holy Spirit who opened her heart. And that we see time and time again in the Acts of the Apostles. So that's God's part in, in the growth of the kingdom, is he gives the seed of the word, he gives Jesus, who is the life of the world, and he gives the Holy Spirit, who brings that seed into living life in our hearts. So what's our part? What's our part? Well, the parables make clear, again, our part is first to sow the seed. Both parables talk about this. A man scatters the seed on the ground, and in the second parable, the mustard seed, when planted, clearly by a person. 
So we are to use the words of Scripture. Our part in the kingdom growth is to sow the seed, that is, to use the words of Scripture and sow them in people's hearts. Those of you who might have been involved in the Billy Graham Crusades, you know, we used to have to learn, didn't we, certain key verses of Scripture to be able to tell people. Alpha is based on the words of Scripture and uses Scripture. And then we see people come to faith, do we? Maybe, or maybe we don't. I wonder if you've given people sometimes a Bible or a New Testament or you've mentioned a word of scripture. And I think we need to regain confidence in using the powerful and living and active word of God as scripture. Now, it may be that that is what you do, and it may be that you actually see the process right through and you bring someone to living faith. We don't all, sometimes we, we sort of hear the question, don't we, have we, brought, have we led anyone to Christ? And it's an important question, but we might feel guilty if we haven't done that recently or something, but you see, that's not the only question we should be asking. Let's look at the next slide. We can all be, I'm used, changing the metaphor now from seeds to chains. We can all be links in a chain. You know, maybe we do sow the seed and we never see the fruit of it. It may be that we're in conversation with somebody, someone else has sown the seed, or we might have done, and they want to talk about an issue. They want to talk about, you know, what is this faith? What is Christianity? What is, who is Jesus? Oh, they may have questions about suffering. You know, why am I suffering? Or how is this world being made? Or whatever it is. There might be an opening for some sort of discussion. I expect you've all had experience of that with friends or family members who have questions, who've perhaps had the seed sown, and now they're not sure where they are, and there are questions and discussions that you can have. Do you know what? You are a link in a chain. You may not see the final outcome, but you are a link in the chain. And that is, being a link in the chain, not only sowing the seed, but the next slide, is it could be watering and tending the seed that some you've sown or someone else has sown. And you can nourish and care for a person and bring them on and show that faith works, love in action, like we've heard this morning about fish. We see love in action, and that can be part of the drawing of people. They make them think, and they're drawn into the kingdom because they realize, you know, this really works. It's a faith that works, the love of Jesus reaching out to others. And Jesus said this, let your light so shine before people that you, they see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So looking beyond just what is happening, what is being done in the name and in the love of Christ, to having an explanation for it, giving the word as well as the deed. That's important, isn't it? give the word as well as the deed, the reason for it. It's the love of Christ in action because Jesus lives in us and has shown us the way to God. And so I want to encourage you this morning that you, you will be a link in a chain somewhere. And wherever you are, God can use you as a link in the chain. The next link is that you might have someone on your hearts for whom you are praying. That's part of the watering, is to water the seed with prayer 
to pray that the seed sown will take root and bring about a change, or to pray that God will bring across your path someone with whom you can have a, a discussion or, or a talk, or sow the seed or water it. To pray for people you know who are serving in mission, as we prayed today for Rich and Lissy in, in Fish, so that we can pray that the seed will grow in such a way it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air, other people can come and find shelter in the kingdom of God and in a relationship with Jesus. And I guess we all know people who are upon our hearts to pray. And, you know, we can get discouraged sometimes. Pam's had an uncle. Uh, Pam's dad was one of six boys, and the youngest didn't come to faith. His mum prayed for him, prayed for him, and then she died. And in his older years, he then got a job, and there was someone else, another job, and there was someone else working in that uh, uh, in that environment, who was a Christian and spoke to him, and he came through to living faith. And he served in the church where he was. And his mother's prayers, although she never saw them answered in her lifetime, they were answered. And that's an encouragement to just keep on watering the seed with prayer for people whom you might know, whom you long to come to know, as we've got relatives and others who we long to know to come Christ, to come to Christ, to keep praying for them. God may answer in our lifetime or beyond. Who knows? And I think to keep the vision alive. This is an important one, isn't it? To keep the vision alive both locally and globally that God is at work in global mission. To fulfill those words of Simeon, you know, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. A worldwide vision that Simeon was given as he held Jesus in his arms, you know. Jesus was to be the light of the whole world and to keep alive that vision because God is still at work. Your faith, your witness, joined with others and with God can accomplish great things. You know, I did bring with me a couple of articles to read. I'm going to summarise them. There's an article in Christianity about the use of um, the internet and of having in your own hands amazing um, technology, that I guess most of us don't do, but nonetheless, it's a new thing about keeping the vision alive, is to have... Um, a new generation going to the mission field that exists in the palm of everyone's hand. The march of new technology never stops. It's no surprise that the church is usually behind the curve. In less than 15 years, YouTube has grown to be a globally influential platform, and most Christians have barely begun to engage with its potential. There's a vision, isn't there? To use YouTube <laughs> to... You, I, I couldn't do this, but nonetheless, it's a vision. But to use YouTube to spread the gospel. And then... Francis Chan, great speaker, had a pastor of a mega church in the States, and as a new wine speaker on a number of occasions, some of you might have heard him. He's got an article in here, and it's all about changing the pattern of church. He had a church which grew in 15 years from 30 to 6,000 members, but he is now finished with that, and he says he's starting a new church planting network, network called We Are Church. Each church in the network is made up of 10 to 20 people. 
and then spreading and becoming constantly evaluating, constantly multiplying, and what he says is that he thinks that the key is scripture. Listen to this. The great movements around the world are not from one person preaching to thousands, but by mobilizing hundreds of thousands of believers to trust the word of God and trust the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that's the only way we're going to reach the world. And he wrote a book and the interviewer says, in the book you say, we should simply read the words of the Bible during our services and put less emphasis on public preaching. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, you know, as evangelicals, we don't read in our services as much of scripture as we sometimes we should. And other churches do more sometimes. That's a bee in my bonnet, really, but there we go. So, where am I up to? Almost at the end. There are new ways, continually keep the vision of life as to new ways of communicating the gospel, but retaining and recapturing our faith in scripture as the living and abiding word of God. And so we look forward to that day of complete fulfillment of these parables of the kingdom, of what the kingdom of God is like, the harvest that's mentioned, that's yet to come, when the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Amen.